Welcome along to another episode of From the Resort Podcast, episode number 40. It's the 20th of September, uh, 2022. Uh, we're going through the doing another, uh, I guess, candidate for a councillor position uh, in the upcoming uh, Queensland, Queenstown Lake Districts Council elections uh, in the Arrowtown Kawara Ward. Uh, we have uh, Neil Hunter. Um, Neil is, uh, works for a company called Carlo uh, Painting and is also uh, involved in Hunter Construction amongst other uh, construction projects. So welcome along to the podcast, Neil. Thank you so much. Where we like to start off these podcasts, Neil, I guess, is early life. So where were you born and where did you grow up early on? Um, so I was born in a place called Sidcup, um, which is southeast of London. And I grew up in Bexley Heath, which is um, still in the uh, uh, borough of London, but it's uh, in the county of Kent. So sort of the grey area between, mm-hmm. I would like to call it. And what was sort of family life like? Uh, mum and dad, brothers and sisters, that sort of thing? Uh, can you not tell I'm the middle child? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my brother, he's, who, he's in China, he's, buddy. he's the middle child and he's, uh, he's, you know, he's always... Yeah, anyway, the naughty I've, one, I guess. Uh, well, there we go. So I'm the middle child. I've, I'm um, middle child of three, so I've got an older sister and a younger brother. Yep. Two years of each, so they mm-hmm. plan that out well. Yep. Mum and dad, um, pretty cotton wool upbringing, I think. Very, very lucky. Very, very blessed. Yeah, yep. so cotton wool means protected or what is... I think that um, the older I get, the more I realised how fortunate I was growing up to have a loving family surround me. And um, we weren't necessarily um, the most well-off money-wise or opportunity-wise, but mum and dad were there. Mm -hmm. We had a a really great structure and um, very fortunate to have that love and um, support around me, which I still have today. Excellent. Um, What were some of the things you got up to as a child? Did you sort of any any sort of stories as a middle child or what sort of did you play any sport what were your hobbies uh sport wise uh i've always been really arty and creative so i used to love drawing and making things and um sport was probably more my brother's thing um we we did a little bit of judo growing up and um and my dad used to coach the local football team. Then he coached my brother's football team. So we were always going along to that. Um, but yeah, for me, it was just more um, loved movies. Big Disney fan. That's <laughs> probably my age as well. But um, anytime I could get my hands on making things and, and drawing and painting and stuff like that, that was my job. So very creative sort of, you sort of you did a bit of art and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Movies, you mentioned movies. What were some of your favourite movies growing up? Well, actually, my favourite type of movie. I love. Um, I love the old Hollywoods. Mm-hmm. I love love musicals. So, um, big Gene Kelly fan. If I was ever um, homesick, my mum would make me chicken soup, and I would watch Gene Kelly. Um, yeah. So, singing in the rain or on the town. Mm. Um, Brigadoon, which is a good one. Okay. Not many people have heard of that one. I think I've heard of it. Haven't seen it, but yeah. Oh, it's a classic. There we that's go. Blood. <laughs> we've got a, a sort of cat making an appearance there, but anyway, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, some Brigadoon uh, musicals, movies. Uh, what about uh, TV shows and that sort of thing? Any favourite TV shows growing up? Um, I don't know. My mind's gone blank, really. 
I used to, oh, you know what I used to love? I used to love Hercules. Hercules. That, I think, was that filmed here? I'm not sure. Well, Xena Warrior Princess, she's a Kiwi, yeah. and that was fantastic. Yeah. It was so cheesy, but it was really, really cool to watch, and they used to fling these, um, like, frisbee things around, and it was, yeah, it was pretty cool, like that. Yeah, so you remember your school life, what was school, was that uh, a good school that you went to, like, made lots of friends, that sort of thing? Yes, well, so primary school, I was pretty well behaved, and I think I was, from, from feedback, um, quite a sweet, well behaved child. Um, when so in England we have well where I'm from we have a an exam called the 11 plus and basically um, we've got lots of schools in our areas and we have um, comprehensive and grammar schools and to get into a grammar school you have to do this exam which is called the 11 plus um, and I'm I, I failed it um, and even though my parents hadn't pressured me I, I felt um, I guess I, I felt a little bit let, not let down. I felt disappointed in myself because I'd missed it. So it meant I couldn't go to a grammar school, which my sister did, and then my brother then went to one as well. So I went to a place called um, Blackfin School for Girls. So it was a girls' school, which I really wouldn't recommend going to a girls' school. Um, and I probably wasn't the most behaved child. So what were some of the naughty things you got up to as a as a teenager? Then? Uh, smoking behind the bike sheds, bunking off school. Um, we bunked off once, and my friend and I we used. Um, is bunking like wagging? Is that? Oh, oh yeah, bunking. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just like miss, missing school. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, my friend and I we um, we skipped school, and um, we used uh, cooking oil to bump up our tan. And the next day we were so burnt. Um, that's how we got busted. <laughs> it was pretty bad. It wasn't really the smartest move, but it's quite fun. Mm, so did did you sort of grow out of this as a teenager? What was your first job? I guess that you sort of, you know, when you started thinking, oh, I have to get get a job and and, and do a bit of work for some money. What what was that? Well, so I'm sort of. I've always felt like the odd one out of my family. My brother and sister are both really, really clever. Yep. Um, they both went on to do degrees. My brother's got a PhD in physics. Mm -hmm. My parents, um, always very bright and, mm -hmm. you know, read lots of books and things and they did their own. Um, they, they took it upon themselves to do an open university degree. So growing up, I felt like a bit of an idiot really. Um, but I always knew that I wanted to work and get some money. Mm -hmm. So I did, the first job I ever had was, a, I had a paper round. Mm -hmm. And I was about 11 um, and we went away for the weekend and my friend took it on and he took all the papers to the woods and burnt them so I got sacked <laughs> and then the next job I worked um, I got a job at a call center selling um, gutters and spouting but I didn't know what that was and so I'd be making these phone calls to people not actually knowing what it was that I was selling mm. um, and then I got fired but it wasn't actually my fault. It was that they had hired me and I was too young to legally work. So they, when they worked it out, um, they realized that they could get in trouble. So right. I lost that job as well. So the first two jobs I got, I, I was fired. That's when you were very young though. So yeah. that's always part of it. Well, I guess school, I, it wasn't I didn't enjoy school, but I, I wasn't gonna be going to university. I knew that and I, I wanted to get out into the world and, and learn some mm. life skills. Yeah. Okay, so then I guess then what happened? Where did your your life sort of take shape after that? Well, 
from a really young age, I knew that I wanted to be in the police force. So okay. from about five, I wanted to be in the police. So that was always in the back of my mind that um, regardless of what I did, that when I was old enough that I would join the police force. Um, and so um, I worked throughout school and then um, I got a job as a nanny and I worked for um, sort of disabled and aged care. Mm -hmm. We go to the houses and look after them. They're sort of semi-dependent people. Mm -hmm. And then um, did all my interviews, passed my exams to get into police. And then on the last hurdle, I just, I didn't get in. And what, that was a real blow for me because I hadn't really made a plan B at that point. Um, and so that's when I decided to leave England. So you, so you decided to leave England and where did you go to when you first left England here or in New Zealand or...? Yeah, so what happened was we had, um, so this is me and my previous partner, so yeah. Was, yeah. We, we call it the before time. Yep. So the before time is basically when you're talking about somebody that you were before, but you don't want to, you know, yep. romance it. So the before time, my partner and I, we came here, yep. um, but we were supposed to be going to Australia, so we have visas for Australia. Mm -hmm. And the plan was that we were going to go do Australia and then do Asia and whatever, and then come back home and mm. sort of reset and go again like yeah, you know yeah. work out what my options would be after not getting into the police would I, would I go in it again or would I change change route wasn't sure um but then um a friend was in Queenstown doing a ski season and he said why don't you come over for a month okay so the plan was to come here for a month and okay. I've never left so the, a month more than a decade ago and haven't left yeah which is actually quite a common story yeah it is it is a common story you come to this place and you sort of hook, get hooked on it, and then basically you're, you're living here, and you know you've got kids here or whatever. So they, yeah. Um, but so that's an interesting that you know one month can turn into that. So tell us about your first experiences in Queenstown. I mean, what was your, did you what was the first sort of jobs or job that you had, and where were you you know where what, what were you doing? Funnily enough, the first job I had was working in the call centre, which mm -hmm. was um, it's behind what is now the mountain warehouse mm -hmm. um and i quit after an hour i said i'm not doing this this is not why i'm here mm -hmm. um so i left that and then um at that time it was completely different to how it is now but it was quite hard to get jobs in queenstown there were so many options there were so many um, workers available mm. so I went to base backpackers and I printed off about 50 CVs and I went around to every single um, bar and restaurant in town and gave out my CVs tried to pitch myself um, and then I got a phone call about two weeks later with someone giving me an interview um, and that was for Winnie's okay yep, Winnie's yep. so I got a job in Winnie's um, and then it's a place yeah yeah so I was working in the bar though, so we would sort yep. of start working about Talk seven o'clock at night. Yep. yep. It was great. We had a great time. It was really fun. And it was a great way to meet people and um and then also because when you're working at night time, then in the daytime you can explore and mm. um Do yeah. some stuff, yeah. That's right. So that was a good job. Winnie's it's I mean it's obviously a bit of an institution here in Queenstown really. Mm. Um obviously how how's it has that sort of changed at all over the last decade? Winnie's at all? How's it sort of? Is it the same as how it was when you first remember it? Or well, the last time I went into Winnie's, I took my one-year-old for some pizza. Yeah. So probably a bit different. Yeah. But the tables and the floor are still sticky, so that's yeah. probably an indication that they still get some action. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's um. It was 
yeah, it was re- it, what was really interesting about Winnie's is the way that they could transform from a restaurant into a real popular bar. Yeah. Um, within the space of like an hour, mm. the, the the families would leave after having their pizzas and their ice cream, yep. and then the young crowds would come in and be drinking Jaeger bombs and you yeah. know, essentially dancing. It was quite clever how <laughs> they did music that. And all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, but they were famous for both, which was yeah. quite good. Yeah, no, it's it's that's that's sort of I guess how it is right now probably. Mm. You'd still get the people doing that. So, uh, so how long were you working at Winnie's for, and where did it sort of go from there? Um, probably about six months, and then I got a job um, at uh, well, at, when I got the job, um, it was a, it was a quite a posh restaurant, um, and it just rebranded. So, eighteen seventy six, which is now sort of known for. Um, basically a bar next to yeah next to um, the pig, pig and whistle yeah. yeah that's right so it's the old courthouse yep. great building mm-hmm. it is um some real history there and it um it just um it used to be called guilty i think and so it was quite a, a sort of posh restaurant and they just sort of um they just changed the route of where they're going um a couple Craig and Michelle, really, really lovely couple. Um, and they've got a guy um, who's still with them, actually, um, Jim. And they just totally transformed the place. Um, and have been really successful. So that was really fun working there. Just, again, working in the bars. It was quite cool. So I guess working in bars, you obviously people will still do that now. I mean, when did you, I guess, when was your first job that you weren't working at a bar in Queenstown? What was after it? that one. Yeah. So it gets really tiring after a while, you know, yeah. the hours um, and um, obviously drinking as well is, is quite hard on your body. Um, yeah. Also, by that point, I'd met my partner who was working days. Yep. And so I wanted to spend more time with him. Um, so I got a job at Bungie. Yep. Which was terrifying because they made me jump off the bridge on the first oh, day. God. <laughs> so how, how long ago was that working at Bungie? That's uh, so that was, yeah, 2013, I guess. Yeah, yep. nearly 10 years ago. Yep. Yeah, so Bungie and, and uh, obviously husband Ricky we're talking about, aren't mm. we? So, um, yeah, so how do, what was your experience like working there and uh, what, what, what did that sort of, I guess, what did you have learned from those early jobs then? Bungie was amazing. Um, well, they all were amazing because um, the thing about working in bars and restaurants is that you, um, you're communicating with people, you're dealing with people and making sure that they've got all their needs met and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quite a high energetic role. Bungie was great because um, I had various roles within it. Um, so I worked in the cafe and there's yep. a bar there and I would help out with you know the photos and things like that. But one of the roles I had was um, bus host. Mm. And so basically, at that time, we were getting a huge amount of bus tours, like uh, Tiki Tour and um, mm. Kiwi Bus and all things like that. They would come in and there would be 60 people just yeah. all of a sudden swarm into the building. And it would be your job to sort of welcome them in, introduce them to Bungie, um, you know, explain about the history of it and then get them in the right way. So you'd be dealing with people from all over the world. Mm. And then you get to watch them jump off a bridge, mm-hmm. which never gets old. Mm. Seeing, um, I jumped off the bridge a lot in December last year. Did was, you? Yeah, it was crazy. Did you hesitate um, or did you just do well, it? Well, I. It was a rotary thing, actually. It was. was it? In a way, it was like. Um, 
Pat Jefford um, basically came to a meeting, and I'd only been there not that long. I'd only, this was back in late 2020. Um, basically, yeah, I decided I'd, they, had, they auctioned off these, um, these uh, yeah, I guess passes to jump off at the bungee. So I sort of won the bidding at about 110 bucks or something. Anyway, I had 12 months to, to do it. So I took right to the <laughs> 12 months to, to oh. do it. So no, I think it was November, December last year. Was that extra pressure? Um, yeah, well, I, was, I decided to do it. And yeah, there's some, I put some, there's some footage there and I did the warm up thing. And yeah, so it was, no, it was, it was, it was interesting and fun. How many times have you jumped off there? <laughs> Uh, 12. 12, yeah. yeah. Which is nothing. Yeah. Some of the guys that have worked there have jumped off hundreds of times and they'll jump off on bikes, um, in rafts, they'll jump off the back of what the bridge. What about Ricky? Ricky jumped, has he? I made Ricky jump about <laughs> five years ago. Um, it was quite funny actually because we took his daughter with us, who at the time would have been about 10, mm. and she was real sweet, mm. very well-natured girl, yeah. and say boo to a goose. And she was getting frustrated watching one of the girls jumping off because uh, people get into a real state and they can't do it. And yeah, she, yeah. she shouted out, just push her. And it was just so unlike her. We're like, right, okay, as soon as you're old enough, you are going. So she's actually going to be going very soon. I'm sure she knows that. But Ricky was great. He, yeah. uh, he just swan dived, I think. <laughs> yeah. I've never actually managed to do one of those um, big dives. Yeah. Um, I've just sort of um, hold my nose and jump off, jump yeah. in like I'm going into the lake. But yeah. I've done a few um, tandems and I did a, a, a trio once, okay, which was quite fun. What about if you jumped out of a plane then? I have. Okay. Yeah. I, I wouldn't do that again. Probably as I get older, I'm not as keen. But mm. um, I did that on my 21st birthday. Yeah. At End Zone. Um, yeah, it that's was... with Fiona. Yeah, yeah. Did she do one as well? Yeah, yeah she's done one. Yeah. Well, I haven't done it, but yeah. You should. <laughs> It's, it's, um, I think it's easier than bungee jumping. Yeah, it might be, but it's, yeah, interesting, yeah, wow. But that's, yeah, so you worked there for a while, um, and then what, how, how long were you there, and then, then what was next for you, I guess? So, I was at bungee for, I wouldn't, I would say probably nine months, and it got to the point where I realised that um, I really needed to, I knew I wanted to be here, I'd met the guy who I wanted to be with and um, wanted to start setting up and making a life for myself. Yes. And so Ricky suggested that I got a trade because then I would be working Monday to Friday and I'd have mm. weekends off with him and that it was something that you could yeah. take anywhere. And, of course, you know, yeah. Obviously, it's quite a good career. Yeah, it is. So um, I decided painting would be an easy route mm. to get into. Mm. Um, and I was quite restricted by my visa at the time as well because all, all these were sponsorship visas and yeah. I couldn't just do anything I wanted to do. I had to make sure it was something that I could um, be sponsored at. Mm. So, but at that time, it was uh, there, there. There were no jobs. It was quite. It was quite hard to. I think I've counted up. I called about nineteen people in town mm -hmm. before I got somebody to agree to take me because I was yep. quite honest that I didn't have any experience so I got um, a trial with him and uh, he took me on I'm laughing because um, the second day on the job I set fire to a drop sheet <laughs> and um, it was with one of those heat guns <laughs> so because with a heat gun mm. the tip of it is where 
the heaters, but they mm. look just like hair dryers. Yeah. So I had no experience with this. And mm. so I was using the heat gun and I put it down and it just tippled over. Mm. Um, and then I carried on doing what I was doing and then, yep, yeah, set fire to the, to the sheet. So, but dealt with it and then um, never did that again. And uh, yeah, so he kept me on and then had a few, few, uh, in, few jobs from then. Um, because uh, we weren't quite in the building boom then, mm. so the work wasn't as plentiful. So yeah. I would get told every couple of months that they just didn't have enough work and I would then have to find another employer. So that's what I did. So, so yeah, it's always um, going from you know one, one employer to another, it's always it's not an easy thing to, to, to go and do, is it? No. But it's great though because Every time you go to a new team or a new mm. employer or a new situation, you, learn more though. you do. Yeah. And you get an opportunity to be in these different mm. environments. So like the first two guys I worked with, they did very high-end residential homes. So I was able to be a part, you know, painting these beautiful houses. Mm. And then um, I went and worked for trade staff. Mm. So I was working for barely any money, but just kind of rough and ready projects and you just had to get on with it and do it and that was fine and then i got a job with a commercial painting company called um rains and that was actually fantastic because uh we were on large teams we we're on large commercial jobs so like the mountain warehouse mm -hmm. and i'd have opportunities to sort of run teams because mm -hmm. They just need people to do it. So if you put your hand up and you were willing to do it, mm. then you would be given an opportunity that you might not have had that in a in a smaller residential team because mm. it's the hierarchy kind of thing. Mm. Um, and you really do work with some interesting characters. Yeah, painters are painters can be quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've, as an accountant, I've had quite a few paint, painter clients, and they're all with certainly different people. They're all. Can't say any of them are great with their books or anything like that. You have to sort of, you know, a lot of the time you have to sort of give them a hand. But that's you know, if they get a good bookkeeper involved, it can certainly help them out as well. But uh, they're interesting people. Um, they have you know different interesting sort of rules that they follow sometimes as well. The thing about painting is because you don't necessarily need any qualifications or audits and things like that. It's still a trade though. It it is. But it can attract some very interesting characters mm. from um, all sorts. Yeah, and it's still part of the construction industry anyway. Which yeah. Is a very, you know, it's an important industry in, in most parts of this part of the world, you know. Yeah, it is. Well, it's, it, was, it was really great for me because I would be essentially running these teams of men um, from all over the world. Um, and that was a challenge in itself because... <sighs> I don't like to go down the whole um, uh, woman route, but yeah. often they wouldn't listen, or they would. Uh, they if they'd been um, painting for a long time, and I hadn't, or I was younger than them, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get these hurdles, and yeah, and that's fine mm. because you 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 just learn to adapt and and work with them, and you've also got to appreciate where they've come from and mm. and what they know as well. Mm. But it was uh, it was great. Really, really good opportunity for me. So you've been living around the area for a decade. Um, young children, uh, obviously, got got yourself a trade. Um, what are the things about Queenstown 
area, um, the greater area that sort of, I, I guess, wanted you to make uh, your, you know, your career home life here? So the thing about New Zealand that appealed to me um, was the opportunities. So after I left Rens, that I decided to go out by myself and I set up my own business. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know that I could have done that um, in a lot of places, but I just felt here there were a lot of opportunities and there were a lot of support um, to be able to do that. So I set up Carlo Painting and it was me and a Tirano, it was like 1994. It was a, an old truck and it, it used to leak oil everywhere and I'd have to put the paint tray under. Um, and it was it was quite hard work, but what, I'm, what I mean is that mm. the opportunities were there and the clients, they all knew what I was trying to achieve and they mm. all wanted to help me achieve it. Okay. Kiwis, I've found, have been really supportive of growth. Mm. Um, if they think that you're a go-getter, if they think that you... Um, are a hard worker, they'll do anything they can to help you get there and, and be a part of your journey. Definitely, definitely. So, yeah, so basically, how long ago did you go out on by yourself then? With, so it was 2017. Yeah, so five years ago now. Yeah. So, um, and then obviously, you know, we've got a fairly important election um, for the Queenstown Lakes District. Uh, council obviously split into the, into the three different three different wards, isn't it? And um, what I guess what made you decide to um, want you know want to sort of be a candidate for the position of a councillor in the Arrowtown Kawara ward? Um, a multitude of reasons. I found so in after I set up my business, I um, I then had two of my own children, obviously. I've got my stepdaughter who's now 15, I've mm-hmm. got my son who's three, my daughter's 15 months. Um, starting a family, having a business and um, being in Queenstown for the last couple of years and seeing how families and businesses have struggled, uh, it obviously hit me as well. Mm. And I've been involved in a lot of different community groups and talking to locals um, who've been here a long time or a short time and there's just this running trend. People, uh, you know, they just worry for their futures, you know. What's, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, people feel disconnected between um, the people and the leaders. And I just felt that it might be good to have some um, business and family representation on the council. Mm. And obviously I might not look like an average councillor or sound like an average councillor or have the background of an average councillor, but I've got business experience love my family mm. and I, I want to see this town have all the opportunities that I was given coming here. I want that for our future. No, it makes, makes good sense. Um, I mean, the, we, we've had a, had a couple of people from um, obviously the same ward candidates on the podcast, so some, it's a, some very interesting people, all with different backgrounds, different stories. Um, so I think it's it's going to be an, definitely going to be an interesting election. How have you found the process so far, and what have you sort of what are the key things that you've sort of learnt, I guess, in the process? Oh, it's been an amazing journey. Um, the second I put my name in, it's just been this whirlwind of information and mm. meeting the most amazing people, and there's been a lot of um, to, obviously talking to a lot of people. 
there's definitely a lot of concerns that people are sharing, mm. which is um, which is interesting. And um, so it shows me that a community as a whole, we all sort of want to go in the right direction, predominantly, which is good. I think it's really interesting meeting the candidates um, for the mayor and, and for the council. We need to have a diverse representation of the community. Yeah. And not focus on age or colour or sex or, or, or whatever, but actually just having people that um, represent us properly and that want to be in it for the right reasons. Mm. And I think that having all these events where you can meet people in person has been so great. It gives people an opportunity to see that person. Mm. And, you know, we've, we've all missed out on a lot of face-to-face connection over the last two years. So Definitely that's... Have, yeah. It's huge. Just touching on the yeah, COVID, obviously, that it, that it certainly... Uh, we might come back to some other stuff, uh, obviously, to do with the election coming up, but I wanted to touch on a couple of things. Um, we obviously mentioned COVID before, and obviously that certainly affected, um, you know, the construction industry here in, 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 in this area, in Queenstown. Uh, tell us how that affected your business and you and uh, I guess how it sort of stopped projects in, you know, partway through and stuff like that. How did, how did it affect you, your business? COVID has affected everyone's business in every, in every mm. area. Mm-hmm. Um, the first lockdown was uh, really unsettling because... We didn't know what what that meant, how long it was going to be. We had all this staff and the staff quite enjoyed it. Um, Mm. That was, and and it was a great time for them to reconnect with their families and have that downtime. For us, a lot of the lockdown was spent um, trying to um, figure out what the future meant Mm. and how we could um, um, change um, direction if we needed to. Yeah. Um, diversify the business, whatever we needed to do, about how we how we could make sure that we kept our staff and looked after them, and obviously looked after our business for our family. We had a very young baby, so that was a lot of pressure for us. But we came through it, and it was actually a great growth opportunity, really. Yeah. A lot. The other thing about COVID is during the lockdown, um, Ricky and I, because we live in Arrowtown, we walk around, we do tracks quite a lot. And we were walking around the Arrowtown track and we were talking about mental health and um, what it would, what the the pressures of, you know, being in business, being an employer, being an employee and everything like that. And we started talking about um, potentially starting a a group um, for women in construction. And that's how I got on to find out about NARWIC, which is um, the National Association of Women in Construction. Mm -hmm. So I decided I was going to set up a group, mm. and then I realised that there was already one there. Okay. So um, I decided that once we got out of lockdown, I would go and join the nearest group, but that mm. was Christchurch. Okay. So I drove there, and then realised I couldn't be doing that every week. So then we set one up here. Yeah. So so after you set that up, any sort of people have you got as members and that sort of thing well I've stepped out of it now um, last count I think we're looking at about 50 of members Very but good. it's um, there's a lot of women and in that's just territory. in this area mainly just around this, this area is it yeah yeah I should really know that number um, so that's 50 yeah. I think so um, so 
so Narwick was brought to New Zealand back in the 90s by an amazing woman called Stacey Mendoza. Um, and I think it started in like the 50s in, in America. But anyway, Stacey brought it over here. She started a chapter in Wellington. And then over the years, they've, they've set up chapters. Um, so it's Wellington, Auckland, Christchurch. There's now Waikato, Dunedin, mm. Queenstown, and Bay of Plenty as well. So the the idea behind it is that it's networking and support pretty mm. much. Mm. And obviously there's information and, and, and learning. But I know having been the only woman on a building site of like 250 men, mm. what it feels like to be yeah. that. And having that support around you is huge. Mm. And so we've actually, in Queenstown, we've got hundreds of um, female construction workers. Mm. Do you feel, I mean, I don't know if I should ask that question or not. Do it. <laughs> do it, do it. Because we're talking about, um, you know, females and construction sites and, and that sort of thing. Um, but, I mean, I mean, obviously one of those things is, I mean, appearances and stuff like that. A lot of women are, are sort of, um, I guess they're you know, particular about their appearances and they want to look nice and they want, want to do all that sort of stuff. When they're sort of out on a construction site, does that sort of go out the window or do you still got to present that sort of thing? I guess it's, um, I mean, it depends on the person, doesn't it? Mm. We all want to make sure that we're well presented yeah. wherever I mean, we everyone's are. Everyone's different, that's for sure. Being a painter, you always... What, what have you sort of seen, though, in that? I mean, there might seen... be a certain type of person that will go on a site. I mean, yeah. definitely, um, over the years, I've met some females that aren't necessarily in the trade for the right reason. Right, okay, for other but, reasons, okay. Yeah. Um, I found that, um, you know, you're, you're always covered in paint. You've always yeah. got paint in your hair. People love to tell you, do you know you've got paint in your hair? Course, yes, I've got paint in my hair. Especially when you've got a bun, because you go in, yeah. you're painting in the wardrobe, and then you yeah. get it on top of your head. Um, but yeah, be covered in dust and and yeah. but then it, then it's quite cool because you'll be looking like that through the week and then in the weekend you can scrub up and it's yeah. it's kind of it feels kind of good because you yeah. I mean you'd have to work on the weekend then you can yeah yeah definitely get back yeah. to help yeah yeah no that's interesting um, so who who would you say are your I guess people that you look up to your heroes <laughs> uh, do you have any mentors oh. Um, my husband Ricky is number one. Okay, shout out to Ricky. <laughs> if I have, I he we just a team. I mean yeah. that, that sounds really cheesy, but yeah, you know, you would, he I just trust him with everything. Yeah, my children are awesome. Yeah, um, they watching them just inspires me and has grown me as a person. That kind of sounds cheesy as well now I think about it. Hmm. But before you met Ricky, was there anyone that sort of was there that was a like a, a mentor at all growing up or you were still just finding who that was? I mean, my parents are amazing. They're really, really wonderful people. They, um, they, they're just everything really. I mean, I talk to my mum pretty much every day. So she jokes that she talks to me more than my sister who still lives with them. So... You know, that's been really great having that connection. Um, as a mentor as such, I don't think there's not really a mentor in my life. Um, mm. I'm always keen to meet people because I really believe that you can, you can um, 
But every time you meet someone, you can take something away. Mm. You get those connections and hear their stories, yeah. and that's really cool. There's some amazing people in this town. Yeah, there's have... a lot of amazing people in this town, that's for sure. And also, if you, I, there's, a, there's a couple of women in this town, especially. There's a the local real estate agent. Um, there's a local, I don't even know what she'd be, just sort of superstar lady, um, a local lawyer. When, you, when you're around them, they just, their energy and their life and everything, it just rubs off on you. Mm. And I feel like meeting people like that has grown me as a person because you just want to be like that. You just mm. want to have that energy and just, mm. oh, just, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it's obviously coming back to the, the um, campaign trail, I guess. Uh, it's obviously been a bit of a whirlwind sort of, you know, the last month or so, um, you know, getting getting things sort of, getting your message out there, meeting other, meeting the community, meeting the, the you know, other candidates, taking questions, fielding answers. Um, I guess, uh, in to, to summarise a bit, what do you think uh, um, the role entails for you when it comes to, like, how much time you put in and how, how does it affect your, your business and that sort of thing? So I'm really fortunate in that my foreman, who I've worked with for the last eight years, I brought him from my other company to work with me. Good. Um, he's fantastic. So he he's on the tools and he, he runs the business from the front. So we've been talking a lot about how we can increase that so that he um, has a better deal and that obviously it's more run by him mm-hmm. on the front um so my um my role in carlo will decrease and this will be a full-time job for me full-time job they they don't advertise it as full-time job but no, i've been speaking they don't get paid a full-time wage for it i don't believe yeah but not everything's about the money no no, no that, I know so that, yeah. i've been speaking to some um current and existing counselors and it's definitely a lot more than mm. it's advertised Part-time, yeah. um but, uh, time-wise yeah but if you if you want to do something, yeah. you'll do it. Yeah. Doesn't matter what it is. If you're passionate mm. about something, mm. you can go get it. Exactly. No, that's 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 um, that's great. Now, obviously, the more stuff upcoming. I mean, I guess what's what's your message out there? People in the area considering voting for Neil Hunter. Mm. Um, what do you want to tell those people as to what you'll sort of do for them? The biggest issue I see, not just here, um, in everywhere really, but especially after COVID, mm. um, is that we've got this just disconnected society. The communication isn't there. And I believe that the council is here to serve the people. Yes. And the best way that we can serve anybody is by listening and by being available. So I would... Um, one of the things that I would do and actually have been doing is just making myself available if mm. anyone's got an issue or problem saying for example I could say hey I'm going to be at the Aratown Library every Friday at 3 o'clock if you've got anything you want to talk about come around and you know I might be sitting there and no one turns up I can do a bit of work or whatever but at least it means that there's a bit of consistency mm. I've been talking to locals who are living on the same street as their councillor mm. and they have got no idea who that is Really, and right. they're writing letters and emails and making phone calls to the council about their concerns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So such a cute cat. Um, yeah, so they 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 just don't know where to go, and I I think that's such a shame. You know, it is. it's it's not a very big place. No. We've we've built all these um, 
we've built all these hurdles for ourselves. You know, if you just want to have a conversation with someone, you should know who they are and how to do it. So I think that's that's really my biggest um, key message is just to say um, we need to focus on communication and being available. And things like um, if you, you know take all the roadworks for example. Yeah. I was t- talking to a counsellor the other week about this, and I know that they're very frustrated as well. Um, I just think if there'd a bit a bit more communication, not just for. Um, well, okay, so take two, two sides of this. So we've got our, our locals. A lot of our locals don't know what the work is for. Mm. They don't understand the timing of it. They don't understand what's being done. And they don't have an insight. They don't mm. know what the place is going to look like. Mm. We could have had some photos up outside. We could have had some, um, some very basic information just saying, this is what's happening and this mm. is the reason why we had to do it now. Mm. And then for the tourists that are coming here, trying to spend their money, trying to navigate the way around the town... Mm. It's not leaving a great impression on it for them. They're not going to want to come back. No. But if the information is there and say, hey, look, this is what it's going to look like the next time you're here. Yeah. You know, just simple yeah. things. It's just yeah. communicating. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's an easy fix, but mm. it's just a start would be. So anyways, ideas on how to, how to sort of improve the communication? Well, signs are a, a good one. Um, mm-hmm. So any any building site, I'm coming from a construction mm. um, point of view, any building site should have the artist's impression out the front. A rough time frame. I mean, we have to be realistic as well because mm. we know that it can go if we don't want to disappoint people. Mm. Um, and, yeah, just so people can go, oh, okay, this is here and when this is what it's going to look like. Um that would be one. I mean, I know that the, the council have this uh, magazine called Scuttlebutt, which I think is great, but the reality is that a lot of people won't read it. Mm. We have to make things easy for people because we're being bombarded with information left, right and centre. Yes. We've got shorter attention spans and we just need some more quick, easy to read information. Mm. So as far as the future, let's look a little bit beyond. Um, obviously... Uh, it'd be great if you, you get this role as councillor. I think you've got a you know got a really good chance. I mean, three out of six. Uh, <laughs> Is that a good chance? It's fifty fifty or something <laughs> like that, isn't it? Um, looking beyond that, I mean, what's what? Is there anything that you you can see that's past being a councillor down? Where else you want to sort of go in your life career? That's already fairly content with now, and you'll think about the future um, as as it comes. Um. I well, try and think big, but I, I like to appreciate the moment. Mm. You know, I'm I'm young. I've got young children. I'm healthy. Mm. I've got this amazing opportunity in front of me that I want. Yes. And I think that's what I want to focus on. Yeah, definitely. If you look too far ahead, you know, my children will be grown up and I'll be grey yeah, and exactly. whatever. No, I need to focus enjoy on the now. Moment. Enjoy it now. Enjoy what the opportunities are that present themselves. That's definitely a great way of looking at it. Um, have you sort of found? Um, being a you know a new member of Rotary, have you sort of sort of found the Rotary Group of Queenstown and even the Chamber of Commerce to a lesser extent? Well, we've been in the Chamber for a while, and um, well, so Ricky was a, a Rotarian. He's been a Rotarian for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, the only reason that I wasn't around is because I was having children. Yes, of course, yeah. <laughs> so, but I was always um, I had severe FOMO. I yeah. wanted to, and. Um, and so when the children were old enough, I said to him, 
you know, because he took on a, a lot more at work as well. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, oh, maybe we'll just switch out and, and then we can both be members, but I'll come to the meetings. Yeah. It's great. There's so many amazing people mm. with the most amazing stories. Yeah. And um, they're so welcoming and there's so many community projects and you hear great speakers every week. We're getting, it's, it's, we're getting a lot, we're getting a bit more younger membership we want, you know, female, younger membership as well, which is really important, I think, for diversifying the, the membership as well. I think that's that's quite important. Is it, is it good to have, um, you know, some some, pe- some like, I don't know about like-minded, but people of similar age, um, you know, similar stature in a, in a club like Rotary? I, um, I don't ever go into a situation trying to look for someone like myself. Yeah, because I don't say look for you, but yeah, you know, yeah. I think that with um, with the rotary, it's great because it, it's regardless of um, what they might look or sound like or where they come from. Mm. Everyone has a different story. So you've got farmers, you've got developers, you've got uh, real estate business owners, restaurant owners. Just as such a, they've all got different backgrounds, and yeah. it's just that's what's that's what's great hearing them as people and what they've been up to and mm. why they're here how long they've been here for some mm. have been here for years and some only just turned up last week yeah that's no, great i guess uh, we're probably getting to the point of finishing up this uh, podcast we've been going 45 minutes it's been uh, a great uh, conversation um i guess to finish off anything final that you want to say to the people of uh, the Queen's Town Lakes District, uh, as far as and people generally listening to the podcast. Well, seeing as I'm in the campaign, I'll say please vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really mean it when I say I don't. You don't have to vote for me. What you've got is the ability to choose. Mm. I think it's really important to meet your councillors, listen to them, and um, and try and engage them as people. Mm-hmm. And um, and not just listen to someone else's opinion on them. We've got a really good opportunity to do that. I think Queenstown is a fantastic place to live. The majority of us weren't born here. We've all chosen to be here. And it's our job to make sure that we've got um, a great future for the town and, and you know, mm. keep it as prosperous as we found it. Yeah. It's a pretty special place. It is a special place. It's been a pleasure to have you as episode number 40 on From the Resort podcast. We've got to 40 episodes. It's been great. Thanks very much, Neil Hunter. All the best in uh, the rest of the campaign and uh, obviously all the best in uh, in your quest to become a councillor. I think uh, you'd be, make a very, very good councillor. So all the best for that. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No worries. We'll see you soon. Bye.